0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Schaefer's Market Mashup. It's your host, Patrick Martin, and I am thrilled to be back doing episodes with SIBO Global Markets. Today we've got a special episode with two outstanding guests, uh, one of which you might remember, Henry Schwartz, Senior Director, of, Head of Product Intelligence at CBO. Henry, how are you?
1: I'm great, Patrick. Thank you for having me.
0: And we got the new guy, Robert Hawking, Senior Vice President, Head of Multi-Asset Solutions and Derivative Strategy. Robert, how's it going?
2: Wonderful. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped for this. Uh, we, we've been talking about doing an episode like this for a while, and I'm glad it's finally coming together. Uh, we wanted to talk about common mistakes options traders make. Both of you guys are, you know, you got your start at the on the trading side of the aisle. Rob, I believe you were, you did index trading at Goldman Sachs and Henry, you started in the finance industry as a trader at Hull Group before joining Solomon Brothers as an index trader. Think of Henry and Rob here as, you know, grizzled vets that a team will bring in to, you know, show the rookies how it's done. So it's rookie camp, if you will. Uh, And I'd like to start, let's just hop in the DeLorean here for a second, Go back to your younger trading self. You only have five minutes to talk to him because of the space, time, continuum, and whatever. Um, What is one thing you would tell your younger self when starting out trading options? Rob, you can go first and then Henry.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I like it. All right, I'll hit the flux capacitor and run our way. Um, I think the one piece of advice I'd offer is to just be patient with the learning curve and, and really immerse yourself in As much educational materials as you can find. You know, when when I first entered the world of option trading, it was intimidating. You know, unlike uh, unlike stocks that either went up or down, you now had to learn you know a whole new language of option Greeks, things like gamma, theta, vega, and how each you know how each of them impacted your position. And, And it takes time to acclimate to these new inputs and concepts. And and I found that learning even went in phases. You know, the first phase taught you the basics of how to communicate. You know, the second phase, you could start to anticipate how a position would move, you know, given moves in the underlying. And then the third phase, you, you know, you could begin to actively position yourself and to take advantage of these anticipated moves, which would lead to the last phase and phase four, where you could, you know, start to design specific strategies around your, your desired outcomes. You know, but the process takes time. It's something you, you can't really rush and you have to be patient with because, you know, rushing can really lead to, uh, you know, undesired outcomes.
0: Mm-hmm. Henry, what do you got? I, I think
1: it's a great question. And, you know, I, I think of, of kind of all the, all of the, the uh, kind of trials and tribulations of my career in the business, uh, you know, finding a good mentor uh, and kind of, you know, really working hard to surround yourself with uh, people and resources to, to learn, uh, I, I think is one of the most important things. And it's, and it's, it's tough. It's, it's as tough as anything else, you know, finding people... Um, asking a lot of questions, you know, working things out by hand, you know, making spreadsheets to to, to double check these concepts and just, I guess, not taking anything for granted. Um, you know, the, the deeper, you know, this is something that, you know, that, that you like and that you're really trying to figure out. Um, you know, you can just just take it apart and ask questions and, and um, you know, getting being with people that know what they're doing and have some perspective, I think, is crucial. So uh, that's my tip to myself.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Well, you know, power ranking is everything these days on the internet, for better or for worse. You know, it's clicky, it's grabby. So I want to take a stab at that here. Same order. Rob, you can go first. Power rank the top five mistakes options traders tend to make.
1: Sure.
2: Yeah, I love the question. And I'm definitely guilty of many of these when I started in the business. But uh, top five mistakes. Let's see, I would probably start with Not having a clear entry and exit point for your trade, you know, and and I would really stress the exit point part. I I think it's easy to track different stocks and find ones you like or companies, you know, that you associate with. But then, you know, you have to take that general interest and turn it into clear metrics of, of where you will, you know, get into a trade and then where, you know, you'll get out. And that applies to setting criteria, you know, around both winners and losers, because let's face it, you know, not all trades are winners, even though we like to think they are. And that would, that really leads right into, I guess, my number two mistake, which would be, you know, don't let emotions drive your trading decisions. You know, to be successful, you know, it's helpful to remove all emotion. You know, when emotion is involved, it becomes easy to take your winners off too soon and, and ride your losers longer than you should. And, and by setting these clear entry and exit points, as I mentioned, and removing that emotional component, from your trading it helps eliminate you know second guessing your decisions in the heat of the moment and, and ultimately you know playing monday morning quarterback with your with your trading decisions tends to always be a losing proposition mm-hmm. um let's see third uh i would point to is is not fully understanding the liquidity of the product you know you're trading before entering the trade for some products it can be easier to put on a position than to take it off but you know by understanding the liquidity constraints of each product you trade I think it helps you be more realistic about, you know, setting those entry and exit points and then really the associated performance that you can expect and be realistic about, you know, what's possible. Let's see. Fourth, I would say, you know, misunderstanding leverage. Options provide a source of leverage because, you know, of their 100 multiplier and can appear, you know, at times quite a bit cheaper to purchase when in comparison to an actual stock but uh, you know, this can lead investors to having a larger, notional option positions than they otherwise would have thought. And, and if they're unfamiliar with this component, sometimes it can lead you to make poor decisions, um, and some, you know, unanticipated consequences. And then lastly, I would say number five, uh, is not understanding the impact of corporate actions and, and what, you know, their, their impact on option positions, you know, in many situations, um, Options have to be adjusted due to stock splits mergers or acquisitions special dividends or reverse splits And you know for example when a cash dividends paid out it typically, you know Doesn't have an effect on the option, but when a stock split, you know split occurs It can affect the strike price of the option so to understand when and how these different events impact your positions uh, becomes extremely important
0: Great, that's an outstanding list Henry. What about you?
1: Well, you know, we should have done this David Letterman style. It should have been like, you know, working our way up and then there'd be a drum roll for the, the biggest uh, mistake. That...
0: I can add some uh, some sound effects into this as, as, okay. in, in post-production.
1: <laughs> that's fine. All right, so um, I have also made a lot of mistakes and, and you know, that that's kind of part of, of learning anything. Uh, you know, but I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's a few tenets that, you know, veteran traders uh, like us have accumulated over the years. And honestly, it's the kind of stuff that like guys on the floor would yell out and you'd be like, huh, that that's kind of catchy and it sticks in your brain. Um and um I'll give you my top five. Um I, I think the biggest problem, the, the biggest mistake I see people make and I've made it even myself is is sizing of positions and trades. Uh you know, you, you have an account and you, you want to be You know, maybe not scientific, but you definitely want to be consistent about how you uh, how you set up your trades and how much money are you going to risk and how how big are you going to be? Uh, And, you know, you can't you can't wing it and just say, oh, you know, I'll buy, you know, whatever. A thousand of of these shares, you know, well, is it a $12 share or is it a $50 share? Mm -hmm. Makes a big difference. So position sizing uh, is my uh, my number one. Uh, number two would be uh, not being patient. Uh, you know, Rob mentioned this at the beginning. Um, you know, not waiting for the the opportunity that you kind of think is coming along because you're impatient. You know, you sit down in the morning, you have your coffee, you start watching the markets, and you know you want to trade something. Uh, that's not quite the same as you know really actually finding everything that meets your criteria and then you know kind of methodically uh, executing. A uh, plan. So trading before it's it's time, according to your own belief, is number two. Uh, number three, illiquid options—they uh, definitely can be a problem. Uh, you know the, the way that the market has evolved over the last uh, you know couple of years. Uh, it, it's a very liquid marketplace in most cases, um, but you have to understand uh, when when liquidity is good and, and when it might not be good, and um, you know, you have a very different outcome. Uh, on a trade, or you can get, you know, as Rob mentioned, you can get stuck in something that was, you know, reasonably tight when you entered it, and now all of a sudden you're like, "Hmm, for me to get out of this thing, it's going to be, you know, some some 30 cent bid offer." And you know, what's Plan B? Or, you know, can you manage the trade? Can you possibly, you know, offset the trade in a different way? Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, uh, covering shorts. This one, is, this one is a, something that I'm sure you heard in the pits, Rob, which is. Uh, when to buy back your short options uh, on the floor, it would be, don't be a dick for a tick, uh, which means, you know what, if it's some option that you're short is down to two or three cents, uh, you should be covering it. Uh, there's just no reason to, to leave the risk on, even if the thing expires tomorrow. Uh, and what's actually kind of nice is a lot of the brokers, the brokerage platforms now for retail don't charge commissions uh, at all for options that are under a quarter. Um, makes that a little bit easier. Uh, it's just being disciplined. And number five, uh, I selected legging into spreads, which, uh, is, is tricky, right? You know, you you see something line up on the screen, you're like, okay, if I can buy these, you know, this eight lot, and then I just need to sell this other eight lot, um, you know, at, at maybe a a tick better than bid and you buy one side and then you you put your offer out on the other side and you, you never get filled or you look away for a little while and the market moves. Um, Legging into spreads is tricky, right? You, you have a, uh-huh. a whole negative selection prox problem there. So, um, you know, complex order books that, that the you know that, that these exchanges operate now uh, are really good, can handle almost any kind of spread anybody can think of. Um, and I think, it's, I think it makes a lot more sense than trying to leg into something. Um, you know, and if you're going to leg things, you better understand the risk that you're taking.
0: Okay. Very good. Very good stuff. Uh, I want to unpack that a little bit here henry you mentioned position sizing as the number one mistake last two years there's been a ton of referencing examples for anything and everything you know the market volatility of 2020 the pandemic the meme stock trading of 2021 can you think of a particular moment when having um position sizing would have been prudent advice you know the last two years
1: well, yeah, I mean, the, the the last you know, just in the last six months, we've seen you know some some kind of crazy behavior of of some of these meme stocks, uh, and um, you know, it's it's um, things moving faster and further than uh, most people would expect, and that's exactly where sizing comes into play, right? You know, you can put on a trade and say, look, there is no way this stock is going to double by Friday. Uh, And, you know, most of the time it probably won't, but Mm -hmm. there is that, that, you know, that one in a million or one in a thousand chance. And, you know, position sizing is just an intelligent way to not blow yourself up. Um, Doesn't matter how much you love a trade, weird things happen. So if, you know, if you're being, you know, properly disciplined and, you know, you get some element of diversification by keeping your trades, you know, reasonably small you know, it protects you. So, you know, this this year has been a a great example. And, you know, I mean, the the GameStop and AMC, some of these these stocks have have done some really weird moves, very surprising, you know, things that, that, you know, are are effectively impossible in, uh, you know, in your typical probability Mm -hmm. analysis. And position sizing is is what covers your butt on those cases.
0: Yeah, very good point. Um, Same question for you, Rob. Uh, You know, with... um, you know, and exit strategy. What? What? Can you provide any context uh, that you might have seen with that one mistake in the last two years?
2: Yeah, of course, and and I think it ties really nicely to to Henry's position sizing and just what we both kind of mentioned, which is you know have that plan going in understand what you expect and what you want, and have that plan going in because you know as I mentioned, picking entry and exit points and. and really removing emotion from your trading decisions you know it's extremely important and as as we point as Henry started to point out especially true if you look at the recent events that have taken place in the last 18 months you know back in March of 2020 when we saw the ball spike and the subsequent market sell off because of the pandemic or in the recent trends in the meme stock you know trading moves are happening faster than ever and and if you don't set those clear boundaries around your trading decisions you could end up chasing positions or you know even worse have your bd close out your position for you which nobody ever wants um but if you go in you know if you go into the trade and, and you look at the underlying volatility of the stock you acclimate yourself to the anticipated moves you could see and then set clear points to enter and exit you limit yourself to, the, to those defined outcomes and you're, you're rarely if ever caught in a situation where that that outcome is unanticipated and, and you remove what I, what I like to call, and I've seen so many times, is, is that mindset of, you know, oh, just one more tick and it'll come back. Or oh, one more tick and it'll come back. One more tick, it'll come back. And then before you know it, it's, it's you know, two dozen ticks away and you've just lost another <laughs> X amount of dollars than you had intended initially. And so, you, you know, especially around the meme stocks, especially with the, the recent volatility that we've seen in the market, I, I think it's more important than ever right now to, to follow that.
0: Mm-hmm. Very well said. Let's take a step back. Uh, and Henry, you can go first. What trends have you seen in terms of the, these new retail traders that are flooding the market and their participation in the markets in the last year?
1: Well, it's been, a, it's been an amazing year uh, in terms of overall volume. So, you know, kind of the very first thing that jumps out at, at anybody that looks at this market is, is, holy cow, we're looking at, you know, 35 to 40 million contracts a day in volume. Uh, which is basically double what we were looking at a couple of years ago. Um, a lot of this uh, is in the form of these tiny trades uh, coming from the retail segment, uh, and so I've, I've tried to look at the data a whole bunch of different ways. You know, the simplest to me is just look at the the smallest possible trades, the single contract trades, um, and you know, it's there's been a big, big concentration of this growth in um, single stocks. Uh, even more than uh, ETFs and indexes, uh, which are both, you know, are both up as well. But, um, you know, the the retail segment that, you know, is is coming uh, and seeing this incredible growth uh, from this combination of kind of the work-from-home period, which, you know, has lasted a a pretty long time, and the, you know, this emergence of these zero-cost brokerage platforms, uh, you know, that that combination (laughs) It's created an enormous amount of volume. You know, we see we see about three or four million contracts a day in, in single contract trades uh, that just weren't there two years ago. They just they just are brand new now. Some of this is probably coming from institutional or you know uh, professional traders and hedge funds that maybe algorithmically slicing their orders up to kind of blend in mm-hmm. with the the uh, retail flow. Um, but you know, small trades. Uh, you know, and, and a wider dispersion of symbols that are, that they're active in, you know, so, um, you know, we have about 4,500 underlyings with, with options today. And, uh, currently about 40% of those have average daily volume below 200 contracts. So it's, that's, that, those are the you know, very liquid names. Uh, it sounds like a lot, but two years ago, it was about 60% of the listings had, had average daily volume below 200. So, um, you know, so in, in like another example is, is just the amount of the market, the options market, that's the, you know, that's the spy ETF activity is about 10% on, you know, last quarter on a daily basis. And two years ago it was about 17%. So, um, you know, this, this retail, uh, base has really embraced options. Um, and, uh, it's a, it's a, It's a really interesting shift. It's it's probably the biggest paradigm shift in terms of the way the options markets work that I've seen in um, probably since we kind of, you know, truly began to automate uh, trading in in, uh, around 2000.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. Rob, you got anything else to add?
2: yeah i would i would just say you know it's an it's an extremely exciting time for an exchange and actually product development around this new market segment as well and as as henry you know pointed out the numbers are off the charts i think you know that begs the question and we get the question all the time at the exchange you know will it continue or do you think it will continue Mm -hmm. and i think the answer is yes and i think it's thanks to the increased access points you know such as smartphones tablets online trading platforms information and, and the ability to trade is at you know pretty much at everyone's fingertips now and i think this new investor class is is here to stay because of it and if anything will continue to grow you know having direct control over your own financial growth can be really empowering and and because of that i think it'll continue to drive adoption
0: yeah and something that was alluded to uh, and, and this will kind of pivot into our you know the final thing, question here is the, the ease of access options traders have now that's great that's outstanding and, and i think both of you are correct I'm, I'm with you there that this is something to here to stay it's definitely a paradigm shift uh, with that though i think there is seeming like an oversaturation of information out there um and especially starting out i think it could be daunting to try to parse out what's good information what's not who to trust and who not to with that in mind you know if you're an options trader starting out what are some resources that are deemed irreplaceable i guess um rob you can go and then henry for closing
2: um yeah thanks for that question patrick i think uh you know education is an essential component and and something Sibo is heavily invested in um off the top of my head, you know, from, from a resource perspective, you know, I think back to my early days in trading, you know, when I entered the business, you know, what was considered kind of the options Bible at the time was Sheldon Natenberg's book. It was Option Volatility and Pricing. And then the other one that was big at the time was Lawrence McMillan's book, Options as a Strategic Investment. Now, you know, with that, I'll give the caveat that when I got into the business, the Internet was not what it was today. Um, and there were a lot fewer resources. Out there, But, you know, I found those books helpful and it's what a lot of the trading firms, you know, would issue to, to help people really get acclimated to the market. Now, in addition to that, you, you know, and I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't mention, you know, CBO's Options Institute is an incredible resource and, ha- and has a variety of offerings that can assist users really at all levels of sophistication, uh, you know, on their options education journey, so to speak. Uh, we offer educational webinars that you can find and register for, you know, through our events calendar on the SIBO education website. Um, we have things like uh, our custom options trading tools, which include, you know, options calculator and something near and dear to Henry's heart. It's, we have previews of our SIBO's of our uh, trade alert functionality to let you know what's going on in the market. Um, you know, you can subscribe for a free trial to SIBO's LiveVol, which is our premier trading, you know, analysis tool. Or you can subscribe to, you know, monthly inside volatility newsletter and catch up on recent trends. And then we also offer bespoke programming and private tutoring suited, you know, for for small groups or companies. And so you can see, you know, in the market where there to me are, are I actually think there's there's limited resources, but a lot of noise around the limited resources that are there uh, in, for options education. You know, we've made it our mission to educate and arm people with, with that knowledge needed to really create, you know, lifelong investors. It's, it's incredibly important to us.
0: Very well said. Henry?
1: Well, I, I agree. The education, it's funny, you know, I've, I've traded, I've built software. Um, you know, now I'm, I'm part of Siva global markets and you know, that's a lot of spheres of the, of the business. Uh, education has always been, a, you know, I, I think a weak spot, you know, for in finance in general, um, The internet certainly opened a lot of things up. Um, you know, I I think that, uh, you know, there's more, the the resources that are available for a retail trader or somebody learning the business have never, ever been better. I mean, you know, I mean, Rob knows the, the tools that are available to, um, you know, for free to a retail account are better than what we started with, uh, you know, a decade or two ago. Um, you know, just in terms of visualizing volatility, seeing quotes change, um, you know, the alerting that we provide, uh, I will certainly brag about, um, helps people see what's going on. Um, you know, I think there's some amazing uh, lectures on YouTube, but, you know, if you, um, you look up some of the academics, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of free stuff out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you do have to kind of make sure things smell fat, pass the smell test. Mm-hmm. Um, don't fall for, you know, some of the get-rich-quick um, scams that are out there, because they are out there. Um, But, you know, I I think approaching it uh, realistically and intelligently um, to learn how to use these, you know, derivatives as uh, tools that they are, you know, I mean, some of the panels I've listened to, somebody say, you know, an option is a tool, just like a chainsaw is a tool. So if you know how to use it, it's great, save you a lot of time, very powerful. Uh, If you don't know how to use it, You'll be in the hospital. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I would say that you know, um, uh, you know, starting with a, a, the best base that you can get in terms of creating an understanding of what you're working with and being careful about it, and not falling for some of the pitfalls that um, that are out there, is the way to go.
0: So, what you're saying is, if you listen to this episode, you won't end up in the hospital. We can we can I, put I, we can put that in writing. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Uh, and I guess on my end, I would be um, I'd be remiss if I did not shout out Schaefer's own educational articles uh, on our website. Um, we update it weekly with everything from breaking down different hedging strategies, using our expectational analysis. We're even putting together the master list of meme jargon since some of that can be hieroglyphics to, to people. But I think both of you touched on salient points there about the integrity of the information uh, and having a plan. Um, It's just so, so important. And hopefully, you know, you guys continue to put out content like that. It helps people along the way. I'm good with wrapping there, guys. I think that was pretty darn illuminating and informative. Um, Thanks again, Henry and Rob. I'd love to have you guys back on in the future uh, to dive deeper into some of this. Honestly, I feel like we can go on for hours, but um, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Appreciate it. Cheers, everybody.